Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Ephesians, Who We Are and What We Do as Believers, and was preached on August 29, 2021. We are studying the book of Ephesians, and I've shared with you that, that I really believe this is Paul's masterpiece And so far in Ephesians chapter 1, we've seen Paul answer three questions. Who are we? Why are we here? And what do we need to know? It's as fine an introduction to our faith as you will find anywhere in the Bible. And when you add the 10 verses we're going to look at today, there is not a better discussion anywhere of what our faith is all about. Because today, Paul answers the question, what is the gospel? Now, you hear that a lot in Christian circles, the gospel. We talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to really understand today what the gospel is. If you want to know what Christians believe, you're going to find it in today's passage. If you want to talk to other people about Jesus, then you're going to find how to talk to him and what you need to share in today's passage. If you want to know what happens to you if you choose to believe in God and follow him, then you'll find it in today's passage. What is the gospel? Paul shares that. And he does it in a very personal way. He's not talking theory or some, some kind of highfalutin philosophy. He, he starts off by saying to the Ephesians, as for you, this is what happened to you when you became a Christian. And I want you to understand today what happened to you when you became a Christian. If you're not a Christian, I want you to know what could happen to you, what will happen to you if you put your faith in Jesus. I want you to understand the gospel today. Now let me start by making sure you understand the word gospel. Gospel is the English word. I'm going to use some Greek words today. I don't normally do that, but these are kind of basic words that I want you to know. Uh, gospel is the, the English word for the Greek euangelion or evangelion or just simply evangel, the gospel. At its heart, it means good news or good telling or good story. So when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. When we talk evangelism, same word base there, when we talk evangelism, we are talking about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, too many old grumps who don't understand the gospel of Jesus have turned our faith into something that sounds more like reform school than good news. You need to straighten up and fly right and start doing what God has told you to do, or you're going to die and go to hell. I mean, that's not good news. That's a lecture. And we need to make sure that we understand we're sharing good news about Jesus and not a form of punishment. So I want you to understand the gospel, and these 10 verses today, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, help us understand it. What is the gospel? Let's stand together, and let's read Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, speaking to believers, he wants them to know what happened to you. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. 
Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You may be seated. I just want you to understand that is an incredible passage that I really do want us to understand. That is what has happened to every one of you who is a believer in Jesus. If you put your faith in Jesus, what Paul just described is what has happened to you. And if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, I want you to understand what I'm challenging you to do and what will happen to you when you put your faith in Jesus. So let's work through the passage to make sure that we understand what is the gospel. And the first thing that you need to know in order to understand the gospel is you need what I'm calling the right diagnosis. You need to understand who you are apart from Christ. And Paul doesn't beat around the bush. Um, Paul, in his very typically blunt way, gives us the diagnosis, you were dead. You were dead. And I want you to understand that I know that diagnosis and, and death is a medical issue, so we're going to kind of go there. But he says, here's the diagnosis. This is what you were before Christ. The diagnosis is you were dead. Now, I'm going to spend a little time here on the diagnosis because if you don't understand the diagnosis of people without Christ or what you were before Jesus, then you'll never understand the gospel. You'll never understand the need for God if you don't understand that apart from God, you are dead. If you don't understand the reality that apart from God, you are dead, you'll never seek the right treatment, you won't go to the right person for help, you won't take it seriously. And the diagnosis, honestly, Paul says it's as serious as you can get. Before Jesus, you were dead. So, so think on this and accept it yourself. Before Jesus, you were spiritually dead. You weren't just injured, you weren't just hurting, you didn't just have issues and problems. You weren't on life support. You were dead. Apart from Jesus, you were dead. And apart from Jesus today, people are spiritually dead, totally and completely separated from God. Now, what caused this death? Before we talk about the other part of the gospel, how do you solve this issue? Understand what Paul said. Here's what led to your death. Cause number one, he said, was your sins and transgressions. This is what happened to you. You sinned, you rebelled against God. It started way back with Adam and Eve, but I, much as I'd like to blame my sin on somebody else, I have to own it myself. I sinned, I rebelled against God, I transgressed against God. All of us have, all of you have, I have. 
our sin led us to death. He goes on to say that the cause of death was because you followed the ways and the ruler of this world, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The cause of death is that we, and again, this is pretty serious, and sometimes we underestimate it and we underspeak it by saying, well, I made a few mistakes. No, he says you chose to follow Satan instead of God. And because of that, you were dead. And then in verse 3, he says the third cause of your death was self-gratification. You gratified the cravings of our flesh. He said we gratified the cravings of our flesh and followed its desires and thoughts. You didn't think about God. You weren't thinking about others. You're thinking about you and what you wanted. And so the, the combination, you sinned, you rebelled against God. You followed the ways of Satan rather than the ways of God. And, and you only concerned with fun for yourself, good feelings for yourself. Only concerned about me and not God and not others. And this led to your spiritual death, which is the right diagnosis. And that's where the gospel, as Paul described it, starts. We're not just broken. We're not just hurting. We're not just in trouble apart from God we're dead. Now think about that, because that right diagnosis impacts everything else. If you diagnose yourself and say, well, the reality is I have some issues, then you would go to a counselor or a therapist. If you diagnose the, 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 the problem with you as, well, I've made some mistakes, then you would go get some training and education. If you diagnose the problem as a medical issue, then you would go to a doctor. If you diagnose the, the problem as a mental issue, then you would go to a psychiatrist and maybe take some medicines and drugs. If, if you diagnose the problem as emotional, you, you might talk to some friends and learn some relaxation techniques. If you diagnose the problem or if you don't diagnose the problem and you just know something is wrong, you might self-medicate with destructive substances or behaviors. And Paul says, listen, you need to understand the diagnosis. Before Jesus or a day apart from Jesus, spiritually, you were totally and completely dead. Your problem was much deeper than anyone else would diagnose, you were dead. And that is the problem of people without God today. Those apart from Jesus. And we keep thinking we can train them into right behavior and educate them into right behavior and send them to a doctor and get them counseling and get them therapy or, or teach them the right kind of techniques or put them in the right course. You can't teach a dead man anything. Counseling is wasted on the dead. Therapy does no good for a dead person. And so part of understanding the gospel is every person coming to that realization. I need more than any doctor can do. I need more than any counselor can do. I need more than any medication can do. I need more than a changing my way of life can do. I need to be more than re-educated. I'm spiritually dead. That's the diagnosis. And so you start there. 
the right diagnosis. And then that leads easily to the right healer. Because there's only one person who can change you from death to life. Doctors can do amazing things in today's world, but once you're dead, there is absolutely nothing that a doctor can do. If you get your heart right with God, a counselor can really help you. If you accept Jesus, a pastor or a Bible teacher can give you incredible truths that will help you change your life. But if you're dead, the only person you can go to is God because nothing else will help you. And so there's only one healer who has the power over death. And so look at the three words that, that Paul used to describe God in here. Because what I'm telling you is apart from Jesus, you're dead and you need God. And there's nothing else in the world that will help you and solve your issues and solve your problems and, and, and bring you life. Only God can do that. So look at the three words. These are three of the best words in the English language. They're three of the best words in the Greek language. They're three of the best words in any language. And so Paul describes God by saying that he is rich in mercy that he has great love. He says both of those in verse um, 4, and then in verses 5 and 7, he, we are told that God is a God of grace. So I, I want you to understand these words just a little bit. I'm not going to go into great detail, but the word love, agape. I'm sure you've heard that. Agape is a kind of love in which God wants what is best for us and he cares deeply for us and he is fully committed to us even if we give him nothing in return. It's a love that is not dependent upon the response and is freely offered even when it's not reciprocated. Now in the world, I want you to understand, you don't see this love very often because if you've ever given love and it's not reciprocated, that hurts. And so we have a tendency to back off from that. But what agape love is, God never backs off. No matter how many times we reject him, no matter how many times we turn our back on him, no matter how many times he says, don't do that, and we do that, no matter how many times he says, do it, and we don't, no matter what we've done, because God's love is dependent upon who he is and not who we are. And so he says, God is love. And he also goes on and describes God as a God of mercy, or Elias. It includes the idea of both compassion and forgiveness. Instead of giving us justice, instead of giving us what we deserve, he offers us compassion and forgiveness and mercy. And then he says God is a God of grace, charis. Generous, free, undeserved, unmerited gifts of favor that we do not deserve in any way, shape, or form, but God gives them to us. And so that's the right healer, the only one who can turn us from death to life is God, a God of amazing love, God of amazing mercy, and God of amazing grace. And so then understand that the right diagnosis, we're dead, and the right healer, only God can do anything about it, leads us, Paul says, to the right treatment. And the only treatment for death 
his resurrection. And there's nothing else you can do with a dead person. Either you bury him or you bring him back to life. And only God can bring you back to life. And that's what Paul said happens to you when you become a Christian. God made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. So understand, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God didn't just improve you. You were dead. You can't improve a dead person. He didn't just train you. You were dead. You can't train a dead person. He didn't just counsel you and advise you. Counsel and advisement is wasted on the dead. What God did when you became a Christian is he took a dead person, spiritually dead, totally separated from God, and made that person alive in Christ. And that's what happened to us when we accepted God. Now, understand, Jesus talked about this. He demonstrated it all throughout his ministry. That's why in talking to Nicodemus in John 3, he used the terminology of being born again. Yet, Nicodemus, you're a grown man. Your only hope is being born again. Born of the Spirit. Born of God. Because you're dead. And, and, and though on the surface... You look like a good man and you're seeking God. Understand what's going on. You, you need to be born again. You're dead and you need to come alive. That's what Jesus did physically as a demonstration to Lazarus. You remember that story? Lazarus had been dead and he was in the tomb. And his sister Mary understood the problem because Jesus told them to move the stone away from the tomb. And you remember what Martha said? It's my favorite word in the King James Version. Martha said, don't do that, Jesus. He stinketh. Because she knew what a dead man was like. He's been dead for four days, and if you just open the tomb, we're going to see nothing but a dead man, and a dead man stinks. He stinketh. But Jesus didn't just open the tomb. He didn't just go in and burn some incense in there. He didn't just go and say a prayer. He didn't just go in and bless him in one way or another. He brought Lazarus back to life as a picture of what happens to every person spiritually. We got to admit we're dead and we need God, and then God can bring him back to life. And so the treatment we need, understand how extreme this is. The treatment that we need is to go from death to life. And that's more than just coming to church on occasion. That's more than just saying a little prayer on occasion. That's more than just saying, well, okay, I'm going to start reading my Bible a little bit more. You've got to understand the diagnosis, you're dead. You've got to understand the only person who can bring someone dead to life is God. And you've got to admit that you need help and you can't get it anywhere else but God. As long as you think you can turn your life around, you're still dead. As long as you think a counselor can turn my life around, you're still dead. you got to come to the point in which you understand, I'm dead. Nobody can help me but God. Pastor Jack can't even help me. Only God can. You need the right diagnosis, you're dead. You need the right healer, God. You need the right treatment, and that's God. And that's exactly what God did to Jesus. And that's how we know he can do it. Because Jesus died. And he was buried. 
and he was in a tomb. And on the third day, he came back to life. And spiritually, that's what has to happen to us. So when we talk about following Jesus or becoming a Christian, it's more than a decision. It's more than a prayer. It's more than baptism. It's a dead man coming back to life in much the same way as Jesus did it physically. Right diagnosis, I'm dead. And until you come to that point and you're willing to admit it, you're never really going to understand the gospel. Until you come to that point, there's no help for me but God. And in a rich country like America, where we've been taught to think we're okay and we're better than everybody else and we're smarter than everybody else and, 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 and we love the fact that we are a proud people, that's part of why we see so few conversions today. Because we've got to come to that point where I'm lost, I'm dead, and I need God. And, and here's my fear for the future of the United States is that we will lose our wealth and we will lose our power and we will lose our pride and maybe we'll need that before we can say we need God because we're dead and only God can bring us to life. So that's the right diagnosis, the right healer, the right treatment and then he talks about what happens to us after we're alive, the right results. And he gives us at least three of them here that should characterize our life in Jesus, our new life in Jesus. And the first thing he says, we shouldn't boast. If you've really been born again and you really understand what happened to you, you've got absolutely nothing to boast about. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So understand what Paul is saying. You were saved by an act of God's grace. You did it through faith, but this faith, even faith, was a gift from God. So 100% of the credit goes to God. 0% of the credit goes to you. What have you got to boast about? And too often in the Christian church, that's how we come across to others. Look at me, I've changed my life. No, you didn't change your life. God changed your life. Look at me, I chose to follow Jesus only because Jesus called you and then gave you the faith to believe. Credit goes to God, none to us, and so we got nothing to boast about. Just do what I did. No, you were dead. God did it. And so we got to stop acting like we're better than others. We've got to stop looking down on people. We've got to stop thinking those crazy Muslims. Look, we were crazy. We were dead too until God saved us. And so we need to have the same love for them that God had for us and quit acting like we're better than people because we have absolutely zero to boast about. So the right result, if you really understand the gospel, is you got absolutely nothing to boast about. You were dead. A dead man can do nothing. So what are you going to boast about? You're going to boast about anything. It's just about God. Look what God did. God did it. I didn't do it. Don't give me any credit at all. God did it. 
The testimony is not about I did this and I did that and I did this. I, 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 I listened to too many testimonies over the years of Christians who tell us their story about what they did and the decision that they made and the smart thing that they did and what they decided to do. Listen, the story has nothing to do with I. It's God, 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 God. And I'm just a recipient of his grace. I didn't deserve it. It's about him, not about me. So don't boast. And if you're acting at all like you're better than anybody else, you are destroying the gospel, not building it. Because it's about God and not about us. So don't boast. B, Paul says, because of the gospel, wait patiently. Do be patient. Now listen, patient may not be the right word. Wait eagerly. Wait with great anticipation. After God breathed life into us, Paul says, God, listen to what he did with us. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So when we passed from death to life, he gave us our new home, our permanent address. It's in heaven. We're not there yet because he's given us work to do in the meantime. But understand what he said. God plans on showing us the incomparable riches of his grace when we get there. So when we get to heaven, oh, we've seen glimpses of it here. God's incredible love, God's incredible grace, God's incredible mercy. But there it's going to be showcased for us. And, And the little hint we get of it here will be fully revealed to us. So now we serve God wholeheartedly, knowing that the future is secure, and we're looking forward to that. And then we will rejoice. I heard an interesting definition of maturity this week. One definition of maturity is that a mature person learns to delay pleasure. A child is only concerned with the right here and now. A mature person, and this applies to everything. I heard it on a financial show, Dave Ramsey. Um, You know, this applies to finances. You work now, you save now, you spend later. But it applies to your job. You work hard now, you get the promotion later. This applies to school. You study now, you work hard now, you learn now, you get the rewards later. And it applies to our faith. Now is the time for service and ministry and evangelism, and the payday comes later. One of the great sermons, by the way, in the history of Christianity, look it up sometimes, payday someday. Because now we work and we're getting glimpses of what God has done for us. Then it will be complete. So most of you know, yesterday I, I uh, um, had a memorial service for my dad. It was tough for you know, a lot of memorial services and funerals over the course of the years, but doing one for your own dad is tough. But I could think all the way through that dad is no longer an old, grumpy man with dementia who can't think straight. He's in heaven rejoicing, and he's with God. So in the meantime, Paul says, be patient. It's coming someday. Now's the time for work, later, eternity, and it'll last forever. Then is when we get our ultimate rewards. And so, now now listen, 
take this personally. Paul says, so get to work. So get to work. You are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I find great joy in that part because I, you, we are part of God's plan. In advance, God chose to save me in his love, grace, and mercy. He even gave me the faith to believe in him. And so God said, so I've, I've, I've got your plan ahead of you. I've got work for you to do in the meantime. And, and this is the joy I get. I'm part of God's plan. I'm not a guy sitting on the end of the bench knowing that I have no talent and no ability and no chance of ever getting into the game. God gifted me, and he did it to you too. God gave me talents, and he gave them to you too. God gave me certain inclinations and desires that combined with my talents and abilities, puts it all together so I can be part of his plan. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God created in advance for us to do. So, so that is the gospel, and that is definitely good news. You were dead, but God, who is rich in mercy and love and grace, made you alive in Christ. And he's gifted you and given you talents and abilities, so you are now part of God's plan. We, Avondale Baptist Church, are part of God's plan. So what am I asking you to do today? The ultimate and I just got two of them today, and they're pretty simple. Make sure you respond to this gospel, this good news correctly. Number one, make sure that you have believed. I, I often simplify it in vacation Bible school and with others to the letters A, B, C, D. Admit you're dead and you need God. Believe that God is real, that he's the only one that can help you, that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you, and that Jesus rose again on the third day. Confess it to God. God, I believe this. With all my heart, I believe this, and I need you. Come into my heart and forgive me, and then decide to get up from your prayer and follow Jesus. Make sure you're not still dead, that you put your faith and trust in Jesus, because he's the only one who can help you. And then number two, get to work. Find out what God has created you to do. Take a look at your desires, because God will give you spiritual desires, and you'll, you'll feel certain inclinations. Look at your talents. Some of these God gave you from the moment you were born. Some of them you learned over the course of years. And then look at your spiritual gifts, the things God has gifted you to do, and put those together as you kind of study yourself and you pray and you ask God, what is it you want me to do? And then get up from a pew and do it. Some of you are called to train young women, men and women in the faith. Some of you have been created to be preachers and teachers and missionaries. Some of you are called to feed the hungry and then tell them about Jesus. Some of you are called to care for the sick and then tell them about Jesus. Some of you are called to to lead a ministry in a church or to lead a church in worship or to teach children how much God loves them or to care for babies in the nursery so whole families can come to faith in Jesus. We're all created as part of God's handiwork and he has a plan. And so there comes a time in which we can say, 
I now understand the gospel enough, the basics, that I can get up and get to work for Jesus because that's what he created me to do. And the success of our church will be in large part when every member accepts that call. You've created me to do something for you. I want to know what it is, and as of right now, I'm going to start doing it. If there are some things I need to learn to do to do it, I'm going to learn them starting right now. If there's some training I need to get in order to do it, I'm going to get that training. If there's someone I need to talk to, then I'll do it. Now, let me put a flip on traditional Baptist life, because growing up, this is kind of what happened in a Baptist church, and people ran from it. Long about this time of year, the nominating team, remember that? would go out and seek people, and you would find out who was on the nominating team, and you would run from them. Oh, no, she's coming to work for nursery workers. I'm going to be sick the next two weeks. Oh, no, they need some people to take care of the, 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 the rugrats or, or the, the, the children or the, oh, God forbid, the junior hires or whatever it is. And they're going to come out, and they're going to ask me if I'm willing to serve, and I'm going to have to find an excuse. Listen, if you think of churches that way, you're thinking of it all wrong. A nominating team does not nominate you. The pastor does not ask you to serve. God does. You find out what he wants, and then when you start doing it, you find there is incredible joy in it because that's what you were created to do. So don't wait for me to ask you to get to work. You do what God has called you to do. Step forward, jump in, get the training. And honestly, if I hear from you, God's called me to work in the nursery. Hey, okay, you're good. We're going to run the background check. We're going to train you. We'll make sure you know what to do. And by next Sunday, you could be changing diapers for the glory of God. Or whatever it is that God has called you to do. Don't wait for someone to ask you. If God asks you, that takes much more than any nominating team or any pastor or anybody else. You've been created to do God's work. Do it. <sighs> it ain't about me. It's about God. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church. If we can help you in any way, please contact us. Our information is on our webpage at abcaz.net or you can call us at 623-932-2723. Thank you, and may God bless you and your family.